Some nicknames are for showing affection, others for making fun. The best ones are somewhere in between. My name is Andrew, but for most of my life, people have called me Grog. But where did Grog come from, and what does it mean? We're on a mission to find out. You're listening to Searching for Grog. Okay, welcome to another episode of Searching for Grog. I'm here with the usual suspects, Brandon Passion. Give a little shout out. Hey, hey, hey. And I got Andrew Passion here. Hey, guys. What's up? And today we have a very special guest with us. Um, He is the creator of some really iconic games like Revolution X, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Smash TV, and of course, a very special game called Trog. We're here with George Petro. Can you say hi? Hey guys, how you doing? Glad to be here. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on the show. It really means a lot. Yeah, of course. Anybody that wants to talk about Trog, it's good with me. <laughs> Is there are there a lot of people wanting to talk about Trog to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like looking at this list of all of the games that you've made. I'm like, oh, some of these were like huge blockbusters, and then I'm, I'm like, Trog kind of stands out in a few ways. But one of them is probably that I think it went under the radar of a lot of people. So. It did. It did. It did. It's it's so, tough to hold a candle to you know blowing up lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so um, George, you may know already, but uh, Andrew here has had the unfortunate nickname of Grog for the past twenty years or so, and none of us really knew where it came from, but we were pretty sure it came from a game, and we found a game called Grog's Revenge, but that wasn't the game. And we found characters in games named Grag and Brog and Gronk and Glunk and lots of things like that. But none of them were the game we were looking for. Um, And we finally found out that it was your game that you made with Jack E. Hager, your partner, um, back in, I think, 1989. You were working on that game? Yeah, way back. Yeah. So could you tell us a bit about how that game kind of came to be? Like, what what was the inspiration for that? Um. Well, it was, I mean, originally, you know, I, Jack and I had worked on a game called NARC um, prior to that. And if you've ever played NARC, it's a, you know, it, it was, as you're going to find out, because there's an upcoming documentary, that NARC was what started the violent midway streak that led to, uh, you know, many other games that, that got notorious and very famous for that. So, you know, Trog, Trog started as just sort of a, a 180 degree version of what we had just come off of. So um, we wanted to do something very cutesy. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a gamer, so I like to come up with, you know, weird kind of games to play. And I thought that we had an interesting um, play style to, to mess with, with the bones and setting up mazes and, um you know, and Jack and I talked about what kind of theme we could put on it. And he was super, super jazzed on claymation and, mm-hmm. you know, what, you know, the raisins, remember the raisins, right? He oh, was, right. Real, Oh, the California raisins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was really into, I guess the shop that did that was called Will Vinton. And um, he goes, Oh, I know what we can do. I can do clay characters. We can digitize them and, you know, I'll animate them. I was like, wow, that's amazing. And, um, you know, he started building like, uh, some of the dinosaurs and everything. So, wow. you know, his Jack's an amazing artist. And when we went cute, I mean, his characters were just awesome when we started sketching. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, you mentioned that, you know, you mentioned that NARC was the f- one that set up that whole trend of violent video games. But I think it seems to me that Trog might be the one that started off that whole, because Midway's famous for like that realistic kind of motion capture, you know, like, like realistic kind of looking stuff. And before Trog, I hadn't ever seen any, especially Claymation, but I hadn't seen anything that looked so real and three-dimensional like that. Right. Well, NARC was all digitized graphics as well. And and Jack and I and another guy named Warren Davis were um, really instrumental in developing that technology. So, um, you know, Jack had done a lot of experimentation with uh, the cameras and, and just, you know, videoing things and then bringing them into the computer, which I guess now seems so weird because we all carry around phones and just video whatever we want. Right. And text it around. And 
back then it was very, you know, it was like a very cumbersome process that nobody could really do very well. So Jack got, got really with his kind of fine art skill, he really worked on that process. And that's how he made those dinosaurs look so great through, you know, the sculpting and then the lighting, you know, he, he built these little boxes that they would, that he would light them in like a little house, you know, that had the lighting and shading very specific so that he could get the dinosaur to look that dimensional. Yeah. It's funny because he ultimately made them. They were all gray. So the dinosaurs and Trog were actually gray. So he just wanted the, um, he wanted the grayscale and the fine lighting. And then once he had the lighting, then he could color them in the computer so we could make them any color we wanted. Yeah. Super cool. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine how that would have been done in 1989, like, you know, before like Photoshop as we know it today and stuff like, you know, just coloring all of that. Yeah. You know, you know, there was no windows when we were windows hadn't even been made because, you know, like windows was around 93, 93 or something. It came out. So this was all DOS based. We wrote our own tools, you know, that we did everything. So we had actually, we had the computer that the game operated on. That's where all the art tools actually did their work because that could draw colors okay. and could make all kinds of cool stuff. So, um, you know, we just had a PC with, that was running DOS that would control the game computer. It was, it was super crazy. Like, wow. yeah. you know, um, the whole setup and we had a bunch of wizards that we worked with that could build us that kind of stuff because you couldn't buy it you know right yeah yeah you mentioned that um you know the idea that you had of laying bones down and creating mazes and stuff i think that's the actual original concept that you guys had and it's it's probably different from the from the final release that that we played um how how did that kind of happen was that pressure from the top or um you know it just it's 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 capitalism (laughs) nobody played it so it was kind of one of those things where um, when we had it in in house, people absolutely loved it because it was hyper competitive. Because basically, the way the original Trog worked is all you were you were a hand like this little glove that you could move around the screen in between the rocks that are on the screen, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you if you press the button, you would lay a bone down, and if you press the button on one of your colored bones, you would pick it back up. And if somebody else was playing, if they put a bone down, you could then change their bone to your color and then you could pick it up. And um, so you would you had 12 bones to work with and, and you would lay them out in and guide the dinosaurs with the bones and you could guide your opponent's dinosaurs as well. So there was okay. this crazy like dynamic of people trying to guide their dinosaur and, and screw up the other dinosaurs and. And there were all these behaviors that the dinosaurs did to get mad at you. Like if you didn't guide them correctly, they would look at you and like get, get fuming mad and jump up and down <laughs> and stuff. And it was really involved. And, and Trog, the whole story of Trog is that all he wants to do is eat the dinosaurs. So he invents all this crap to get around the bones. That's his whole deal. Oh. So we thought it was super awesome. Everybody internally was like, oh, this game is going to be incredible. This is amazing. We put it out on test. Uh, number one, no adults would approach it because it was so goofy looking. And then the kids would run up to it because they loved it, but then they couldn't figure out what they had to do. So we, we, we created one of those products where the, the people that it attracted couldn't understand it. And the people that could understand it, it didn't attract. So, um, uh. so we were really facing, um, we were facing, ba- basically they were just going to say, you know what, we've come all this way. We're just not going to manufacture it. And, um, you know, I kind of, you know, I was a young guy then and very like headstrong about products I worked on. And I'm like, I can't let it die. No, <laughs> right. Yeah. Trog, yeah. No, all this work, you know, Jack and I put into it. So I just was like, give me like four weeks. I told the management, like, give me four weeks and I'll turn it into pack Trog and we'll, uh, that's awesome. We'll see how it goes. And, and pack Trog actually, you know, it's just fun. I mean, there's no question. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just been done before. That was the only, that was the only, the thing I had against it, you know. Um, so George, when you guys would you guys would create games, so you I guess I didn't even think about the testing aspect of it. So you guys would find like certain arcades and and put them in an arcade and let the kids just kind of just study what happens. Oh yeah, those there's crazy stories about that. That's how we did it. You know, we would drop it in an arcade and then we'd all like 
huddle around, like hide in the corners in between <laughs> other games, you know, like <laughs> super creepy and just like look at people and watch and, and high five if they, if they play it again. And, you know, I mean, that's the key with our games. If a person plays it and they don't play again, that's really bad, right? It's like, uh, okay. you want to see somebody play it and then go, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And just like, you know, put another quarter in. Dump quarters. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we would just sit there and, and, uh, and hover around. And if things were going well, we'd go get ourselves a pizza or something and then come back. And, you know, it was, it was really cool because it was all inner city Chicago in these super janky places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and sometimes you had a hit and sometimes you didn't. And, you know, it was really depressing when your, your game just was a ghost town or a coat rack. Yeah. Man, it makes me wonder, are, are arcades still, like, a thing now with, with kids? Or is it all about the home consoles now? I mean, it just feels like that's kind of a lost thing now. But yeah. maybe it's just because I'm not a kid. Yeah, right. That, there you go. Life goes on. They were up until about six months ago when uh, – <laughs> everything closed right. yeah i mean chuck e cheese went bankrupt <laughs> you know? yeah but yeah absolutely bananas it seems like like arcades kind of um switched their focus instead of aiming at kids now there's like the dave and buster crowd that's aiming for like adults and stuff right so yeah and it looks to me like like when i look at your your particular arc george i don't know if people have have mentioned this to you before but you know you start off with a game like narc which creates this, you know, that violent video game kind of thing. And then you guys, I think, kind of defined a generation of the rail shooter, right? You have like Terminator 2 and Revolution X and the Alien games. And like when I think of a rail shooter, those are the games that come to my mind. And then with your new company, you pivot and now you're doing big buck hunting, which basically takes that violent genre and makes it family friendly again, which is so... (laughs) Which is so cool to me, like, you know, and, and I, I guess that big buck hunting seemed like it was originally aimed for kind of like the bar crowds and stuff like that. That's where I usually saw it anyway. Yeah, it absolutely was created as a social bar game. Um, that was actually created in 2000. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's interesting where arcades are now. You're absolutely right about the Dave and Buster's type, very large format, um, you know, very large format arcade. The games are massive, you know, and the entertainment is massive. I mean, we we actually last year produced, um, or I guess it was two years ago now. No, last year. Um, we shipped uh, a game called Halo Fireteam Raven. It's based on the Halo franchise. Oh, yeah. And it's a rail shooter, Halo style, but with four seats in this big, like, four-seater pod. It's massive. I mean, it's just... Wow. We kind of looked at it when we put that on test, right? We, we had to we had to install that, and we looked at this thing, and it's like a, a small house. It's a tiny house, and yeah. um, you know, we're just like, can you believe we just built this thing? I mean, this is crazy. What what we're doing? Um, so yeah, we 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 run the gamut. We just kind of follow that market, and okay. I would say we're 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 definitely to answer the original question. We're very much kind of you know, in a lost art form, you know, we're just, we're, we're the only ones that do it really. And nobody's going to jump in. It's, it's just, there's too much collective knowledge. I mean, my current business partner, he designed games in the 1970s. So he designed his, his big hit video game originally was defender. If you've ever played that game. Yeah, sure. So, so he's, you know, between all of us, we're, we've just been doing this for so long um, you know, we, we just keep on finding where, where the games fit. And, um, was Defender, was that Eugene Jarvis who did that game? Yeah, so Eugene and I are, are business partners right now. Okay. Uh, got it. He led the NARC team with you guys, I think, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it all comes full circle. I met Eugene in 1983 when I first started at Williams Electronics, which was uh, oh, okay. Which is where we all worked. And then we bought Midway. And two things happened in 1988. Williams Electronics bought Midway and Wrigley Field got lights. Okay. So those were the two, <laughs> those were the two pivotal moments. And yeah, we were all really Williams guys. All the, all those Midway games in the nineties were created by Williams guys. It's just the, the CEO of the company said, Hey, I bought this Midway name. I'm going to rename you guys Midway. And we're like, okay. ah, boo. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, and, it, you know, bringing it full circle, Trog was the first Midway game from the Williams group. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. It was the okay. first game to have the Midway logo on it after we bought Midway. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
moving this conversation kind of back towards Trog, um, that game, I mean, at least the character Trog, made these little cameos in other games that you guys did, like Revolution X. You know, there's a part where you can shoot at a cat a certain number of times and it becomes the Trog caveman. And I'm not sure if you worked on the Carnival game. I know Jack did. Um, but yeah, he appears like as a frozen in stone on that as well. So, which game which is that? Carnival. Oh, Carnival. No, I did not. I had left to, to start playing mechanics when Carnival was not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's a Carnival. Yeah, we like, you know, Jack and I love Trog, man. We're like, you know, that was our baby. We were, you know, it, it's so funny because Jack made me these. Again, I've told you, Jack is an incredible artist. He gave me for Christmas the year Trog came out, he made ornaments. You know how you can make Christmas ornaments out of like that cookie dough stuff? You know what I'm Oh, talking? right. Mm-hmm. And you can glaze like, it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he made he uh, a Gwen dino and a Trog for my Christmas tree. <laughs> and I still have them. I mean, I literally, they've been glued together a couple of times, like Trog's arms have come <laughs> off. But yeah, it's like oh, it's man. always a happy time at Christmas when... We pull Trog when Trog comes out of the box. Like, oh, Trog! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where's he going to go this year? You know, right? <laughs> He's got to chase Gwen around the tree. So, you know, we just we really we really do love the um, you know we love the character, and it was so much fun to create that character and just you know, oh, <laughs> it's just a it's a nut job, you know. <laughs> you know, George, I can tell you that um, Adam and I are both artists in in different ways too adam does a lot of what would you call adam uh comic art that's not the right word yeah i, I draw comics and cartoons and stuff. yeah and uh, i'm a musical artist and uh i really resonate and i'm sure adam does too with this idea that you kind of pour you pour all of this you know love and energy into something and like it may be one of your favorite things in the world but then when you ship it off it's just not everybody else's favorite thing and you kind of have to like I had a songwriter friend that told me that our our songs are like our babies and our kids. And when someone doesn't like it, it's like them saying your kids are ugly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You take it real personal. It's it's uh, you, you got to get past that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you want to do it professionally, that's the that is the crime of it all. You know, and, and I think Rush wrote, wrote a great song about this. Um you know, it's like, that's the crime of it all is if you really want to do it professionally successfully, you have to get past it being your baby, you know, and that's, that's the bummer. I mean, I loved making Trog, but it didn't work out. And we, we have an affectionate title for that amongst all of us designers. We call it the basement game. Like, uh, you know, the guy yeah. making it a gift, like, dude, that's for your basement, man. And that's not for everybody else, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and to hit, and to hit the, hit the co- lowest common denominator, you really have to go places you don't want to go as an artist, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Make those compromises to get the, to get the high selling games or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fine, it's a fine um, tightrope we walk. Right. It's, but, you know, I learned that lesson early on. I mean, you know, where you, you know, where you got to, you have to make those decisions. Um, unfortunately, Trog was one of my lessons. <laughs> <laughs> but he made an impression on you guys and that is priceless because you know it's unfortunate that i couldn't sell that at the time right that like look there's going to be these dudes like 30 years from now that are going to have been affected by this game you got to believe this you know that would never fly when you're talking to the suits right right of course yeah yeah (laughs) tough to explain so after trog it looks like you i mean the two you and Jack together as that creative team, you worked on a lot of licensed properties, right? So you did Terminator and, and Revolution X. I've heard that that was actually originally supposed to be Jurassic Park. Is that true? Uh, yes, it was actually supposed to be many things, but but uh, uh, and one of them was actually Carnival. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, dang. Jack Jack had that Carnival um, that Carnival deal in his hip pocket for many many years and. Um, you know, we, we were going to try to do something uh, that ended up becoming Revolution X. It, it kind of took on a life of its own. But, hey, we got to bring Aerosmith in. And that was, again, priceless. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Huge. I don't know how, you know, honestly, to this day, Jack and I would have to literally sit down and figure this out, how we got to that point. I don't <laughs> know how we got to that point. To be very- you know, what? it makes me happy to hear you say that because 
I that is a game that I can't explain to anybody. I played it all the time in the arcade. I had the Sega Saturn version and stuff, and it's a game that is so quirky that you can't really explain it well. It's like, oh, you shoot CDs and you can knock helicopters down with it and you have to save the world, but also Aerosmith is being held hostage. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the weirdest concept in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact they bought into it, that's the most bizarre thing. And we got Joe Perry to say, these guys are maggots. They're putting chemicals in all our food. (laughs) 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 I still can't believe we got him to say that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that yeah i i definitely have a lot of memories of playing that game and it, that was the time where i think the rail shooter was like the big genre right like it was what everybody was coming to dump their quarters into and just that something like if it's true that that was supposed to maybe be carnival or be jurassic park to begin with and then it, and then it ended up becoming what it became i'm so glad that you didn't get that deal for jurassic park like it's such a <laughs> right. it's such a I don't know, like it's such a strange and still really good game, you know? Yeah, I like Revolution X, actually. I think, um, you know, like I said, it had it kind of took on a life of its own. Um, but, you know, the Jurassic Park thing was, you know, I had read the book, right? Like I read Jurassic Park when it first came out. I, I was a real fan of all those Michael Crichton books. They were all, they're all basically the same story. If you go back and read, you know, Andromeda Strain or any of those things, they're all the same story. You know, it's technology mm-hmm. gone wrong and, yeah, different settings. But uh, Jurassic Park was amazing. And I heard Spielberg had licensed it. So I went and this is another me trying to pitch the future, right? I went to our CEO and I go, dude, you got to license this Jurassic Park. It's it's amazing. It's like Steven Spielberg is going to direct the movie. The book is amazing. He's going, nah, that's not going to be anything. That's going to be, you know, oh, nothing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, and, and here we are. We've made a Jurassic Park as raw thrills. So you know, we got we got to make our Jurassic Park at some point. Yeah, it all came around. It all came around, right? Yeah. The um the Terminator Two game that you guys made, um, the, I with that one you actually went on the set and and recorded all of the game things there with the actors. Is that right? Uh oh yeah yeah that was um that that's kind of a crazy story. If you guys have a couple seconds, um, we uh basically you know after Trog. I thought my career was over as a video game designer. Honestly, I was like, okay, we just made a sticker. You know, this is it. I'm just going to be some sub coder on somebody's project, you know, forever. That's it. And um, at one point, I my phone rings in my office and it's the CEO of, of Midway. Uh, and he goes, uh, hey, um, there's going to be a Terminator 2 movie. Are you interested to make the game? And I'm like, wait, what? There's going to be a Terminator 2? Really? What are you talking about? You know? And uh, he said, yeah, um, we want you and Jack to fly out and um, and read the script and see if you want to make a game out of it. I go, I'll fly out and read a script, but I'll make a game. I, you don't have to sell me. I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm down. I'm already in. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, you had me at Terminator. And um, uh, Jack and I actually, we went out, but we came prepared. We, we like... And again, I, I credit Jack with a lot of this. We put together a little demo reel on VHS of like all the stuff we had done with NARC and, 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 you know, all the human digitization. And we ended up getting an audience with, with Jim Cameron during that time. So we had a meeting with him and Jack and I just took over and we said, we're going to pitch him hard on the fact that we need access to all the sets and actors because this is how we do things. So yeah. we, we got a TV set up in this room and we put the tape in and started playing it. And here, this is Jim Cameron. This is guys like, you know, yeah. he made the abyss. Yeah. <laughs> and piranha. <laughs> piranha 2. Piranha yeah. 2 the spawning. But uh, he, 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 so Jim Cameron saw this video we put together and he flipped out. He's looking at it. He's just going, this is amazing. This is like, you guys do this? And, you know, because it was all digital, right? And he was into computers and the digital stuff. Yeah. He was like, he just stands up at one point, and just tells all his people, he goes, give these guys everything they need. And he oh, goes, man. you have to get over to Stan Winston's place. You got to see what we're doing. And they gave us an onset video team. They gave us all access. It was crazy. Whoa. So Jack, Jack spent more time out on set than I did um, because I had to be back like programming. And um, <laughs> I would fly out from time to time and hang out with them and just, you know, like, 
we we just look at each other and go, can you believe we're like watching this stuff? Yeah, yeah. There's Arnold in his Terminator outfit. How cool. Oh, you my know? gosh. That's amazing. <laughs> I know. It was so cool. I, I have we have some video and pictures from the set that we that we uh, took that are pretty pretty cool. So. Yeah, and then they go and then they go and kind of acknowledge you guys by putting the game in the background of the of the film, right? Exactly. So I don't know if you've seen that scene, but what what's the pivotal game in the scene? You know, where, where does it walk up? Where does the T one thousand walk up and ask the girl where the kid is? There's Trog. Yeah. Yeah. Completely on purpose because we. We were fr- we made friends with the guys that were set- setting up the set. They they put there were only two games that had to be in there for the movie, uh, Missile Command because it said the end and that was supposed mm-hmm. to bum John Connor out, right? Mm-hmm. Nuclear war, and then he was going to hide in an afterbirth cabinet. Those were the okay. two games that had to be in there. The rest of the games they did everything for us. Jack's hockey game is in there. Trog <laughs> is in there. You know everything. Wow. It's, it's pretty cool how they did it. That's awesome. That that scene, that scene from Terminator is was like stuck in my head. Or from Terminator Two was stuck in my head because that the boy in that scene, the one who's playing um, opposite uh, Edward Furlong, yeah, he was on that TV show Salute Your Shorts, I think, as like one of the most annoying characters, <laughs> and I I hated him on TV. And then in this movie, he's like this really like sympathetic character where he comes and saves you know John Connor and everything. And I'm like, oh, he has a good. Sp- it's good to him after all. So. <laughs> yeah, he pushed. He gets pushed out of the way, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that scene was always was always uh, stuck in my head. I so. know it's so crazy. So Trog made yeah, Trog made a great appearance there. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, we 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 lived to fight another day after Trog, which was really <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, when is that Trog uh, the Trog remake going to come out? <laughs> I don't know, man. You guys are going to blow it up, so maybe we'll have to do something. That's right. You know? Bring it, Trog. I would love to. You know, I, I've always thought you know the iPad would be would be yeah. much better than the interface we had. So, yeah. But the only problem is it would probably just be a small little postage stamp in the corner because that's how big the graphics really are. Oh, no. <laughs> didn't even think about that. I think Trog was 320 by 256 or something like that. It's a very small, low-resolution screen. Oh, man. On a retina display, yeah, you'd take up just a fraction of the screen. You wouldn't even be a a button. (laughs) You wouldn't even see the characters. Yeah. So I have a kind of a weird question for you. This is not about Trog. This is actually about NARC. Um, But it's a question for you as the programmer on that game. So... In that game, obviously, it's, you know, I don't know, Brandon and Drew, if you guys have played this game, but like, no. it, it was one of the first like super violent games where you can blow people's arms and legs off and um, and, and stuff like that. It's like a kind of hard hitting action game back in in the 80s. And um, in that game, you can do, you know, like I said, you can you can blow people apart, but you can't shoot the dogs. Like if you shoot the dog, they just become a puppy and run away. Was that like an <laughs> intentional choice? On your part, as a programmer, you're like, I'm not going to have him kill dogs. Or was that like something something else? Uh, yeah, you can't shoot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> what did the dog do? Right. Yeah. Well, he will bite your leg and kill you in the game, but yeah. Yeah, he does, yeah but he's just being a dog. <laughs> the other guys are bad guys, you know? They're yeah. like they're bad guys. They're up to no good. Yeah. I think there was. I think that was kind of the... I don't know. I think we just thought it was funny. I, you know, like I said, I was, I, I have no idea like what our thought process was. We were just doing whatever was cool. You know, it was like, yeah. oh, this is, this is cool. This is funny. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> you know, we, uh, nobody, yeah. nobody was checking us, you know, at all. Right. And it was, That's actually something I wanted to ask you about. Like that period that Williams and Midway, like, you know, it seemed like it was just kind of, it was almost like the punk rock studio where you could do whatever you wanted and just, if it sold, just throw it out there, you know, even before, um, you know, Mortal Kombat and everything like that, you guys were just making all kinds of games that weren't really like anything else on the market. What what was the attitude or the atmosphere like there at, at Williams when you were there? Um, I it's, It was great. I mean, it was, you know, there were a lot of creative people there because remember they were making pinball machines and stuff. That was like their big business. When we started working on NARC, they were making their money making pinball. They hadn't done video for a while. So NARC was the first, you know, the first entry of Williams back into uh, 
video games. So there was a bit of stress around that because, I mean, it had to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And um, but there were so many creative people there, like like, for instance, like Ed Boone, the guy that designed was one of the two guys that designed Mortal Kombat. Yeah. You know, he was he was a, working on pinball when I was working on NARC and he would come by like pretty much every night and like, go, what are you doing now? What are you working on? And him and I would go to the White Hand and eat sandwiches at like two in the morning and just talk about like, you know, what we were working on. And he was definitely his goal was to get into video once we had everything going. So, you know, guys like that were always in the wings, you know, Uh and Ed's a super creative guy that, you know, always had good input for games and stuff. So we had all these people around us. So you could always have great input from people and great game designers, which I think was the coolest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys were like kind of teams competing with each other and stuff. Is that how it worked? Like creative teams kind of, um, that's how it ended up. I mean, originally we were just one team, you know, we were just one team that was working really hard to get one game done. And, you know, at the time Atari was like this behemoth, massive producer of video games. They made, I mean, they were making Paperboy and Gauntlet and we're just like, Oh my God, their games are so great. We suck so bad. (laughs) All, All we wanted to do was like beat Atari, you know, like, how do we how do we make games like Atari's making? I, I used to go and go to our local distributor, and every time an Atari game would come out, I would go play it for like hours. Like, hey, can I come in and play that game? I got to see what they're doing, and just you know that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. George, did you ever play um, the the Atari game, the Taz the Tasmanian Devil, or I think it maybe was just called Taz. <laughs> Taz. Was that what it was called? Yeah, Taz. It came out. That came out for the twenty six hundred. It wasn't an arc, It wasn't the arc, an arcade game. Oh, I'm talking about arcade games. Oh, okay. You'll yeah. lose me if you go into console. <laughs> yeah, the arcade, the Atari arcade games are totally different thing, right? They were like just leaps and bounds ahead of, I think, technologically speaking, of then com- what the consoles were doing. So amazing stuff. I mean, they made seven twenty. Did you ever play that game? That skateboarding game? I mean, no, I don't think I did. Skateboarding game with a joystick that you like skate. This joystick was like weird it didn't just go like this it kind of like like a like if you're mixing batter you know like kind of went around in this you know like went around this big sweeping motion and you could like do all these crazy tricks on skateboard it was that game was awesome it was so creative it was like wow who who does this you know and the the top of it looked like a big boom box you know like yeah (laughs) it was the craziest looking game (laughs) so when you played those games as a creator yourself you kind of part of you is kind of dissecting it. Like, how could I, like, how did they make this happen? And how did they use these controls and stuff like that? Is that how you, how you played it sort of? Oh yeah. Yeah. Half of you is like that. And the other half's like, wow, I wish I would have thought of that. (laughs) You know, I, I love when somebody does something, you know, it's just like anything when you're really into it. If you see somebody do something else, you really like, you do want to analyze it. You want to see what you want to get their thought process. Or if you can meet them, Mm -hmm. like back in the day, it was really hard to connect with people. Right. Like, you know, like we were talking earlier about about Japan, you know, so many great games came from Japan and Mm -hmm. meeting a Japanese designer back then was like that was like the holy grail. Like, how do you meet one of these guys, like the guy that did Space Harrier or the guy who did Outrun? You know, how do you meet Mm -hmm. these guys? You know, years later, I ended up getting to meet them. But, man, you want to pick their brains as much as you can. Like the guy who made Time Crisis, I got to meet him. And we sat we sat at some bar until. I don't know, until four in the morning, just like talking about, he didn't speak any English. I don't speak Japanese. We just talked about four in the morning about gun games, right? How do we do that? I don't know. (laughs) What a cool combination. Cause I think that's one of the only gun, like gun shooting games in the arcade that I can think of that wasn't made by you that I really enjoyed. (laughs) Right. Right. And and darn it. I wish I would have made it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty clever. That's a really good game. Dang. Be your best Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great game. <laughs> no, it's it's well, it's a blast though. Making the you know just making games is is always a blast. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, just like you said, it's like you know making music is a lot of work. It's it's hard, hard to get everything lined up correctly, but it's really fun work. There's um you know there's there's something that we've been talking about on this show, which is that those you know those arcade games, they they sort of stick in the memory more than like consoles, I think in a way, just because there's a physical 
space that you remember playing it at. And there's like this, you know, the sensory memory is all so much more than it would be if you're just sitting in your living room playing on a console. So in that way, I think the games that you've made, you know, for the arcade, they, they kind of like Trog sticking in our memory. I'm sure that they stick in people's memory, you know, all over the world. Mm-hmm. Probably there's game makers here in Japan who are like, I want to meet the guy who made, you know, <laughs> Smash TV or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it, You know what? You're absolutely right about that. And that's kind of what's cool about your story, it, you know, is that it did stick in your minds. I mean, your minds were young at the time, right? So you're having to piece this whole thing back together. But there was something in there like, why Why did we call Andrew Grah? <laughs> yeah. Where do we get this from? You know, it's it's uh, it's really cool, but I always think it is because it's a whole package. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, back in the day when you know you used to buy albums, right? It was a, it was a package. Like you look at the art, and then you would mm-hmm. read, you know, you would read about the songs, and you'd be like, oh, this is like I get what they're doing here. And it would become this world, right? And yeah. you just sort of get yourself into it. And I think. You know, console, it's difficult because it's just the console and you're, you're going with the cartridge. And now you're downloading everything, so there's not even a box anymore, right? Yeah. Like, there's not even right. cool artwork on a box to look at, which I bought. You know how many arcade game ports I bought just because of the cool artwork on the box? Like, I don't even play them. I just get it. Because, <laughs> like, I buy every version of Paperboy that ever comes out for every console because I love Paperboy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great I game. Just own the, I just own the box. I don't care about the port. The port's probably bad, but right. the game is great, and I love it. But I, no matter how many ports come out, I'll still never figure out what that kid was doing in the middle of the street, like on his head, kicking his legs in the air. <laughs> Break dancing, man. Oh, that's what he's doing? You just solved, you just solved another 30-year mystery for me, George. <laughs> he's breakdancing. Like, that kid's just laying on his back, kicking his legs in the air for no reason. Okay, he's <laughs> That's great. You, you know what the crazy thing is? Is like I think like the guy who made the controller for for Paperboy. I think he works for us now. Oh, really? That's how intertwined all of us are. You know, they all, they're wow. all out from California, but we're all together making these games. You know? Okay. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, they they stick in your they stick in your brain, and and um, you know, like Eugene, he's been around for so long and made so many games. There are people all over the world that like. He shows up somewhere. He's like a he's like a rock star. Yeah. Get in the right venue. People know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Defender's legendary for sure. And a lot of his other games too. But I mean, that one is like one of those, you know, founding fathers of, of arcade games, I think. Well, you so. guys, yeah, you guys have already probably talked about this, but like what, what, uh, what was your, I mean, do you remember seeing the cabinet? Did you guys, did you guys encounter a kit game or did you encounter the real game? The one we're trying to figure that out yeah it's i part mean part of the part of the mystery that's the mystery <laughs> was it at a truck stop or what or was it at like a hotel or was it at a we kind of think it was at a pizza place oh okay mm-hmm. uh pizza barn maybe is that what we kind of yeah Elko, pizza nevada, barn in Elko, like nevada is where we've we've pretty much decided that's where it was super so. grungy probably super grungy yeah middle of nowhere yeah yeah, because, you know, that was the problem with uh, a lot of our games. Um, this, this happened with, with Trog, um, Smash TV, uh, Mortal Kombat, NBA Jam. Um, there was this thing, I don't know if anybody's talked to you about kidding, kidding games. But that's where uh, we would actually just sell the innards of the machine. Mm-hmm. People like stickers and the marquee that goes on top. And then they mm-hmm. would take an old video game cabinet, basically paint it black, Put the stickers on the side, change out the innards, and there, and then you have like some weird trog made out of Pac-Man or something. Wow, yeah, out of an old yeah. Pac-Man, and and we were, I I remember specifically being somewhere. I think we were in San Antonio, and Mark Trammell, the guy that designed uh, NBA Jam, we were we were in this arcade, and he saw an in NBA Jam. I think had just come out, so it was hot, right? It was hot, hot, hot. And he saw this NBA jam in this like old poker cabinet, like, oh no, <laughs> like a 13 inch screen and like just super, you couldn't see anything. He was like, what is this? This is a crime. You know, it's like looking at his creation, just, you know, just completely bastardized. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm I'm hoping the trog you found wasn't one of those. That's that's my greatest fear. Yeah, who knows? I mean, you know, I I spoke to Ken Fedesna, who used to, who has all the records um, from Bally Midway of you know all the sales and stuff, and he he told me how many kits you sold and how many dedicated units there were and stuff. And it, mathematically, it's like statistically speaking, it's probably a lot more likely that we played a kitted game just because there was you know probably double amount of kits that went out as. As the dedicated units, so there are a few. I, there are probably a few dedicated. I don't need what. What? What was the number he gave you? What did he give you for dedicated? Do you have it written down? I do have it written down somewhere. I, I think that it was like nine. The total was a thousand twenty, um, a thousand twenty-seven units. I think, and so I think that like out of that eight hundred and or so were were uh, kits. Yeah, sounds I have it right. written down here somewhere, but yeah, it sounds about right. That's funny. So 1,027 units, and here we are 30 years later talking about it. So that's yeah. that, that yeah. just goes to show you when you drop those things in public places, like what happens. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Here it is, 181. Sorry, 181 dedicated units and 847 kits. 181, that's, that's, that's more than I would have guessed. And there's probably lots of other little families and, and things that have little memories from Trog too that, you know. Maybe they'll all come out of the woodwork now. Did uh, <laughs> yeah, right? Did Jack uh, did Jack tell you about the little trog figures we had made? No. Oh, those we should remake those. We uh, we had these little blow, sort of blow plastic, you know, these little uh-huh. trogs made for uh, giveaways at a trade show, and uh, those are still the cool. That's still the coolest. That's the coolest swag item I own. <laughs> oh, for sure. Jack did send me pictures of that trade show where you released, like where Trog de- debuted, and I saw the big, um, you know, like the big Trog suit, the big Kigurumi that somebody's <laughs> inside of, and um, yeah, I've seen pictures of that, and pictures of you and him inside of the cabinet when it was finished, and things. Like that. I'll put those up on our Instagram for sure. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Trog costume, that the Trog suit. Yeah, tell yeah. me that's somewhere though, right? Like that someone has that still, I imagine. I think it made it into a dumpster. I think, <laughs> I think when Midway, honestly, I think when, so I left Midway in 95 and um, I think Midway went bankrupt in 2009 or something. Yeah, that's right. I think I, I went back like and bought a bunch of stuff out of like, they still had some old stuff there that was there when I was there. And I went and bought a bunch of stuff when they were selling it off. And I swear I saw that Trog costume on some like shelf somewhere. But it was nasty. Oh no! Yeah, it was like, no, no, I don't want it. It's, you know, it's like an old bad wedding dress or something. Yeah. <laughs> right. There was, there was. I used to work at um, a long time ago. I used to work at Hudson Entertainment, and we had a Bomberman suit in our office that nobody ever, nobody even knew it was there. But somebody found it one day and put it on, and um, Hudson, you know, went bankrupt probably around the same time as. Midway, I would imagine, about 2009 or so. And I, I was, you know, I was living here at the time in Japan, but I thought, oh man, I got to go and grab that Bomberman costume. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird what your mind goes to when a company closes. I was focused, I was focused on this game. We had this game called Cyberball. I don't know if you guys ever played this. It it was another Atari great, great Atari. It was this football game with robots. It had two screens and you played against each other on on the screens. And that, game used to be in ed boone's office and we used to play that game incessantly like when they were making mortal Kombat, we would play cyberball all the time like in his office and it was still in there i go i gotta i gotta get that cyberball oh, yeah. <laughs> i have it that's <laughs> yeah? so awesome okay. that sounds like the prequel to rocket league oh yeah, uh rocket league no you know it was played on a field um you know, like like a football field, but the coolest thing about it was the ball was was uh, nuclear, right? Oh, I see. If, if you if you failed to make the line of game, you blew up. <laughs> <laughs> like the the, the the ball was going uh, going critical, and that was your downs. So you had to make the line achieve the line of game to to cool the ball down. That was the best part. <laughs> that sounds that's so a fun. Good concept. Yeah. So if you got tackled and you didn't make a first down, 
you blew up as well. Just like total insult to injury and you know, just get laughed at like, oh, dude, you're a bucket of bolts now. <laughs> Such a great game. That was pretty good. Well, I'm glad that you have it now. Yes. I have a trog as well. So. Do you? Oh, man. Yeah, I'm an avid collector. Oh, I would do the same thing, I'm sure. I have every one of my games that are somewhere. <laughs> That's a lot of games now. If I would yeah. have been, if if we would have been able to speak at the regular scheduled time, I would have done it from my basement in back in Chicago, where all the games are. So you could have seen the. the oh, cabin. they truly are the basement games. Oh, I uh, I had to build a basement so I could put all my basement games there. <laughs> <laughs> Revolution X, yeah, got it. How cool! But I have to say about Trog, inter- very interestingly. You know, as as our kids were growing up, because I think I when I before when Prague came out, I didn't have any kids yet. So my kids were born after and grew up. You know, my kids were the ones that grew up with games in their basement all the time. So they didn't care. But all the neighbors cared. So at bar none, every kid below the age of like 11 that came in our basement would get stuck on Trog, like just like play Trog and just jam on it you know like for hours because there's there's a lot there there's secrets in trog you know oh i don't know about that but (laughs) i guess we'll have to play and figure them out yes you do (laughs) yeah at some point in the near future we're gonna play it yeah you got to my daughter and i were just talking about it because she used to play it when she was growing up she played played it like crazy and she knows all the secrets so we were kind of reminiscing because i told her we were going to do the podcast tomorrow night and um so we were reminiscing about all of the all trog hilarious. That's awesome. So there's a family connection there too. Oh yeah, I mean, like I said, that was as you as you said before. You know, like yeah, like you guys were out in the world and you saw trog and, and it affected you and you you have a story about it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that's that was the greatest thing for me is that it was in our basement, but all the kids that came down loved to play it. So I was like, mm-hmm. I just make me smile every time I go down. I go, oh, they're playing Trog. What's that? Yeah. Can't turn on Narc. I wouldn't <laughs> let them turn on Narc. <laughs> but, but they can play Trog, and that was a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Kinder, gentler time. Well, it's like a vindication because, like you said, you know, for so long you were you were kind of thinking it, it wasn't a success or something, but it's clear that there was some magic there. Oh yeah, yeah. We've gotten. I've run across a bunch of people in the industry since then that call like, oh yeah. That's right. And we even I even got one fan letter, I think, one time. Like somebody sent me a fan letter. Dang, oh, wow. we should have wrote trog. some letters, yeah. fellas. I know. Yeah. They, they they like cut out some trog characters from somewhere and glued them on the on the envelope and everything. And I was like, wow, wow. that's awesome. <laughs> I don't know where they got those. Yeah. <laughs> Very fun. Well that, that and that's like it's so it's so crazy because I, I mentioned it at the beginning. You know, there's a guy that used to work at Midway. He came out a little later, but he did a Kickstarter project to create a documentary about 90s Midway. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's taken him like four years, but he's actually going to release it in October. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, I think I watched I think I watched the um, preview for that and um, the trailer for it. Yeah, it looks really good. It looks really cool. Like I just... Um, it it kind of sets Midway looking like a sort of, I don't know, like the rebel studio that was making all kinds of crazy stuff. And, hmm. Which is true. But the only unfortunate thing is I think he skips Trog. Oh. Uh, well, it doesn't That's really fit tragedy. in the wheelhouse of all those other violent games. I guess. No, <laughs> no, he, no, it's, it's actually not bad, but um you know, it's a, it's, it's great to have that catalog, but there's all those, so many great stories in there about the creation of the games. Yeah. We'll have to watch that. And we were all influenced. You know, I was influenced by the games I played growing up, you know, Hmm. I mean, video games for me, uh, you know, those just came on the scene when I was like in junior high school. So Hmm. to me, they were magic, you know, like I was like, what, what in the world is this? Cause you know, there was like pong and stuff like that. The 2600 hadn't come out. But there was sure. Pong. And Pong was kind of like amazing, but also got boring. Like, yeah. Pretty, yeah. you can only speed it up so much. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or you could play hockey, right? Which is just uh-huh. Pong. 
yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just pong with like a like a goal kind of drawn on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, when when arcade games when they started coming like with color arcade games, that was mind boggling. That that a TV could be controlled like that to me. Yeah. It's like wow, this is this is so incredible. And my mind, my junior high school mind, just sucked up everything. You know, any any new game, like and like you guys were talking about, every cabinet I would see, every piece of artwork I would see, I can remember every like detail of those cabinets. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy, you know. Um, and we're just huge fans of that kind of stuff. And that's you know, we still draw our inspiration from those games today. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Well, George, I think we're going to wrap it up here because um, I think the Zoom call is going to run out. But I appreciate you coming on the show and te- telling us all these awesome memories, man. It's this is it really where we started with this adventure in the beginning of the show. It's it's gone in places I didn't expect, but this is definitely a highlight for sure. Oh yeah, for sure, man. That's awesome. Well, it's great to meet you guys, and I I think what we need to do is when you find the pizza place, the pizza bar, mm-hmm. we should meet there. Oh, oh man, so great! We'll buy you a ticket, yeah. man. Well, our, our our initial plan was to kind of fly out to Chicago and go to the Galloping Ghost and play both versions of Trog with you and Jack. That was what our, we were originally thinking. Oh, but, that'd be um, amazing. But yeah, you know, things being the way they are right now didn't didn't work out. But well, you got to get that on the books at some point. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you could play both versions by switch. Like you, you flip a switch and it's old Trog or. Oh, it's on the same cabinet? Oh, man. Same uh, cabinet, yeah. Just oh, another cool. reason to go. Dude, I'll give Doc Mac a plug. That guy's amazing. The Galloping Ghost owner, he's amazing. 670 yeah. games in, oh, Dude. God bless him. Oh, that's so much work. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, Jack was saying the same thing. Yeah, he's just, he's like a legend for the, for, you know, as a collector, so. Oh, for my sure. gosh. Yeah, it's worth, it's worth the pilgrimage to go to Galloping Ghost just once. Definitely. Well, if we ever if we ever get there, we'll we'll make sure to call you and and Jack, and maybe we can all get together and and uh, beers will be on us. We would gladly uh, accept. <laughs> all right, all right. Thanks so much, George. I really appreciate it. Hey, yeah, George. Awesome. Guys. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me on. Thanks. Right. Thanks Bye, guys. You've been listening to Searching for Grog, a show about the fuzzy nature of memory and the value of shared experience. A huge thanks goes out to our special guest George Petro and Jack Hager for making this incredible game that has stuck with us decades later. And for sharing your memories about making the game. Jack sent some really incredible artwork, including the original concept sketch for the Trog character and pictures of the Trog suit that we mentioned in this episode. So please check our Instagram to see that. As always, our music is by Captive Portal. 